where we discuss and create a space to heal from religious trauma. Hi, welcome back. I'm Hannah. I'm Cass. What are we talking about today? What does that mean? Kind of a secret language for Christians. It's different words or phrases that you might say. Um, sometimes they're a little ambiguous. And for the most part, anybody outside of the church won't understand what you're saying. So we're talking about things that are said during church services, mm -hmm. things that are said during prayer times. Devotionals. Different phrases. Yeah, different phrases that people will use that... Yeah, like you said, maybe non-Christian people or people outside of the church would be confused what you're talking about or not really understand what you mm -hmm. mean. Maybe they can get it by the context of your conversation, but it's not something that's just floating around in the everyday human <laughs> speech patterns. Right. What are some of the, the big Christianese words or phrases that you remember from growing up or being in our religious group? Okay. Can I read through a list for you that I have compiled? Sure can. And you potentially attempt to explain what this means or the context in which you use it. Just so you can hear the language that we grew up hearing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fellowship. Fellowship. Spending time with other Christians together in a religious setting. So they would say, you need to have fellowship with other people, which means you needed to spend time with other Christians that thought like you. Having quiet time. Sit in a corner by yourself, contemplate your existence, talk to God and read your Bible. What about, speaking of trees, what's a hedge of protection? This is something <laughs> I heard in prayers. It was a metaphorical <laughs> hedge that they prayed to be placed around okay. you so that um, mm -hmm. Satan and his darkness could not harm you. Hedge of protection just kills me. This is one that I always get stuck on because imagine Satan, mm -hmm. the devil, is going to harm you. Yes. But someone has been like, I'm going to plant bushes <laughs> around this person. Right. These leaves. <laughs> These branches, you're going to be safe. <laughs> okay, but as a kid, though, when you can only think in that physical sense, the things that your brain comes up with when yep. you're thinking of some of these things is just like that. My brain went, we're planting shrubs around this person. They will not be seen. A laurel bush would probably yeah. be a good one. Okay, what about, what does it mean to pray for traveling mercies for someone? Traveling mercies. See, some of these I'm not so good with. Can you explain that one? What does traveling mercies mean? I heard this in prayers when somebody was about to go on any kind of a trip. They're going for a day trip. They're going overseas. They're going on a road trip. Mm -hmm. They're going through the neighborhood. They're going to go talk to people in the city. Whatever it was, you could pray traveling mercies. And it basically just means you're asking God to give them good favor with whoever they're interacting with. Okay. And you're asking God that the time that they spend traveling, they will be safe. 
right? At least this is how I understood it whenever I heard someone pray for traveling mercies. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that seems like a pretty good way to explain that. What about being born again? This is a big one. Being born again, or people would say, ask Jesus into your heart. So being born again usually meant that you had um, prayed to ask God forgiveness for your sins or and or I should say been baptized. So if you were born again, you were born again of, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Holy Ghost, whatever it was, um, Father, Son, Holy Ghost kind of thing. I've heard it both ways for that. So it could either mean, okay, you've prayed for forgiveness for your sins or transgressions, whatever you want to call them, or you have been baptized. Some people, you can't be born again until you've been baptized. Some people, the prayer will do just fine. Once you've been born again in a kind of sense, what does it mean to say that you're washed by or saved by the blood of the lamb? Because that sounds disgusting to me. It does sound disgusting. Again, we're speaking metaphorically. (laughs) So if you've prayed the prayer it also means that you have been washed in the blood of the lamb so it's a song it's a song for anyone that doesn't know why she just breaks out and singing (laughs) carry on that might happen a lot just you know fyi to our listeners (laughs) that also went with anointed though if you were washed in the blood of the lamb it also meant that you were anointed which is another christianese word um so it it goes back to the biblical Old Testament idea of sacrificing lambs to be clean. Considered holy in the eyes of God in the Old Testament meant you had to sacrifice an unblemished lamb. Praying the prayer of forgiveness mm-hmm. or being baptized, it's you have metaphorically been washed in the blood of the lamb or anointed. It's so interesting. We definitely have to have historical context. You can't just be using that. Yeah. <laughs> because it sounds really weird. From an well, because if you go to anybody else and they're like, oh, so what's going on? Oh, I've been washed by the blood of the lamb. They're going to be like, what the fuck satanic ritual <laughs> like, have you been you... involved in? What are you doing in your spare time? <laughs> so here's some phrases regarding things that you did in the church. Um, number one tithing or tithes and offerings what does that mean you're doing you're giving money to the church 10 percent was mandatory there is a biblical passage that talks about how much of your overall is recommended to give to god and somehow it's been translated into this idea that 10 percent of whatever you make gives give to the church right which is kind of like a loose understanding of that's basically what you're supposed to do. But it's not like you're not, it doesn't say in the Bible, give 10% to the church. Right. It's like, give this percentage to God. <laughs> do you remember having tithes and offerings in your church? Yes. Every church that we were a part of had tithes and offerings. So it would pass along the little wicker basket. There's always a little wicker basket or a little tin plate, you know, make clanking noises, which oh, was yes. always entertaining. I remember some people would drop checks in and some people would be like, I got $3. It's like a tip at the restaurant, which I mean, <laughs> hey, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Uh, another activity that we participated in growing up in Christian homes would be the Lord's Supper. 
also called communion. What does that mean? Communion. Juice and cracker snack. And it was never enough because you're always. Juice and cracker snack? Oh my gosh. Some of us were hungry by the time that came around. I'm like, can I have two? (laughs) And it depended on who you were, if it was real wine or not. Um, So basically communion was a representation of the Lord's Supper when he would say, you know, this is my blood that I have poured out for you, drink of this and blah, 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 or this is my body broken for you. That was communion. You would have your little representation of the blood of um, Christ and the body of Christ to kind of visualize his sacrifice on the cross. You do a little Mm -hmm. prayer, you do self-reflection, whatever you felt like doing, and then you would take communion it was supposed to be you know that's what it would Mm -hmm. represent do you remember there being different rules with communion though some people could or could not take it do you remember that to an extent anytime they would give the scripture verses you just listed like the blood of christ the body Mm -hmm. broken for you they would always say that there was like a pit that they would read from the bible Mm -hmm. and they would hand out the little cracker little piece of bread and the little cups of juice or wine, whatever it is. The rules for if you are allowed to take it or not. If you have bitterness in your heart towards someone, you can't take it. Mm-hmm. You have to go resolve any disagreements that you have mm-hmm. before you take it. I've been to different churches where the juice was wine. Like actual wine. Think about these children <laughs> taking wine at AM service. It's a great time. Um, <laughs> some churches would say... If you are not saved, which is another Christian word, you cannot take communion. Um, I have been to other churches where they're like, if you're not part of our congregation and we have not talked to you yet. Oh, that's true. Please don't take communion, which is interesting. I don't know if I was ever told in our group, in our church, that I couldn't take communion. I feel like there was a couple times that I was not allowed to take communion that week or whatever until I had resolved in my heart certain things that they felt I had issues with. Mm -hmm. So again, people making assumptions on things they don't know about. Yeah, for sure. One of the other things that we would do is lay hands on people. (laughs) It was the only way guys and girls were allowed to touch each other either. Okay, so laying hands on someone is an activity that you do during prayer specifically, though, right? Yes. Why do you put your hands on someone when you're praying for them? Why would you lay hands on someone? I know it has some sort of biblical context. To be honest, I don't really remember. I always just kind of took it to be as like we are channeling our spirituality and our prayers through Ooh. our arms into your body. Okay, honestly, that is also what I took away from laying okay. hands on people. It's not just me then. I am definitely a physical touch person, but also I didn't like laying hands on people because I thought it was a little bit odd. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I have to be super holy and super spiritual because yeah. we're channeling something I don't know what, but we're channeling something, so we have to physically touch the person. Mm-hmm. Or else it's not going to work. If you're too work. far away to touch the person, exactly. If you're too far away, uh-huh. you just touch whoever's closest to the person <laughs> somehow. It's like a very bonding community experience. Which is fine for some people, but also like mm-hmm. it was like really overstimulating. Definitely can be. Especially if you were in the middle of it. Very overstimulating. That was I remember awful. trying to get to the edge of the prayer circles or like waiting mm-hmm. because I didn't want to have like 20 people's hands touching my body somewhere and I'm like sweating and their hands are sweating. Yes. And 
just like i'm out of the prayer now i can't focus yeah <laughs> that was something weird that we dealt with <laughs> it was disgusting i was not a fan let's talk about some of the other activities in christianese what does it mean to share your testimony does this have anything to do with judges and courts and things like this no not even a little bit no your testimony was sharing your story of how you came to know jesus the church it was your and i'm going to use christianese phrase again it was your salvation story is really what it was that was your testimony there you and go. you would you used your testimony to tell other people to encourage them or be like hey this is where i've come from this is where i am now but i'll just say this about testimonies um, they would invite people in to share their testimony, and always these people had a, a darker testimony. Let's just say mm. they had a better testimony. They've been through more shit. They've seen more shit. So they have this really cool story of how they came to like know God and be saved and stuff like that. I feel like while testimonies were a good thing, people were always trying to one-up each other with their testimony. Oh, interesting. Um, And if you didn't have a good testimony, you just didn't speak because... <laughs> It's not that you weren't allowed to speak. But no, like, it was just you like, you don't feel oh, like you're. It wasn't as good. It's not going to be as great of a story to listen to because I've lived in this group or been in a Christian family my whole life. And it really mm -hmm. wasn't a big deal of me coming to Jesus because I've always known him kind of thing. So what about the times that we practiced and learned how to share the gospel? What does that mean? Sharing the gospel just means mm -hmm. that you are telling somebody the story of Jesus, why he was here, okay. what he did, what he did for us, how we can have a bit of a piece of that and have the rewards in the end. That's really all it is. That's sharing the gospel is sharing the story of Jesus. After you had prayed for someone or you were getting ready to pray for someone, you would ask for prayer. Praise reports. Praise reports. What are you asking for? Or prayer requests. So, oh yeah, they go hand in hand because they were usually asked one after the other. Praise report True. is what has God been doing in your life? Have you seen God move anywhere in your life this week? Would you like to tell us about it? Is there anything good that happened this week that you would like to, you know, give a shout out for? And then your prayer requests. Prayer requests could be taken either way because it depended on who you were talking to, who you were praying with, who you were doing this, you know, group, whatever with. It could either mean what are some things that you would like me to talk to God about on your behalf, essentially, this week. Or okay. tell me your dirt because I'm nosy and I want to know things. <clears throat> I've been in Bible studies or women's groups and that is what it felt like anytime they asked. Yeah. Do you have a praise or prayer record, report? And there's like these ladies that are always like, writing it down, you know, writing yeah. things down so they can remember <laughs> stuff, which works. But the, there's always that one lady that you know is just like, oh, wow, <laughs> they're really messed up as they're writing down whatever you're saying. <laughs> They're going to go tell their other church friends in the kitchen next week. Like, it's going to be a whole thing, which is always fun because this did happen. You give a prayer request to somebody in, like, confidence. Mm -hmm. Somebody else the next week comes to you going, oh, I've been praying for this about you. I heard you're struggling with this. I'm like, bitch, I didn't tell you. What happens if you don't have anything to say? If they ask praise and prayer requests and they go around the circle and one at a time, every person is supposed to be sharing something and then it gets to you and you're like, I have an unspoken prayer request. This would also work if you were doing group prayer or popcorn prayer and you were oh, yeah. 
you weren't necessarily required, but sometimes you felt obligated to pray or else people would look down on you mm-hmm. in pity and whatever. You could also use that. You could say, I, I speak an unspoken prayer. I don't know if people actually like prayed in their head at that point. I wish that would have been an option for us that we knew was okay because I hate praying in public. It gives me anxiety. Some people love it. There were some people that just pray in public. I think they liked looking good doing it. They knew all the right words to say, all the right phrases to throw in to make them look really spiritual and great and all that. Speaking of that, when you ask a Christian teenager to pray for or about Uh. something, they will switch into Christianese. So fast. At least this was my experience. I didn't know how to pray for people when I was a kid like I don't know what I'm supposed to say mm-hmm. so immediately I would start repeating phrases yes. that I had heard the adults say yep. even if I didn't know what they mm-hmm. meant things like I pray for a hedge of protection around this person and I would be like I guess they need bushes <laughs> things like <laughs> I I hope that they have a uh, safe <laughs> traveling mercies and I would be like maybe they did something wrong and they really need mercy from the Lord <laughs> like I don't know what I'm praying but this is something that people say so I'm just gonna repeat it yeah because I want to sound spiritual enough because well you listen to these and you're like oh, I'm gonna keep that on the back of my brain so I can use it later when I mm-hmm. have to pray and I have to switch over into that mode I remember two specifically mm-hmm. that I used to use was guide them in the way that you want them to go and I don't remember what the other one was. That was one of the main ones that I remember using because it was really easy to just throw in there, especially if you didn't get a whole lot of backstory for what you were supposed to be praying yeah. about. I'm like, what are you praying for at this point? You're just saying words. What are um, some of the ways <laughs> that people used to oh, please open up prayer that makes us gag? <laughs> Again, okay. this is a personal preference. Some people are into it. Some of us have trauma and we're like, absolutely not. Okay. So I think what you're asking is how people would refer to God or talk to God when they were praying. Let me give you a couple examples of things that I heard growing up. Mm -hmm. One of the less cringy ones is people saying Lord, which is God's name. Mm -hmm. This is not a problem. But the amount of times that they would say Lord in a one minute time span Uh was astronomical. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, it was. You don't talk to your friend like, Cass, what's up, Cass? I'm really glad talking to you, Cass. Cass, you're such a good friend. I really appreciate you, Cass. Like, this is not how we need to talk to God. It's okay. You can just, like, take a breath. (laughs) You can just have a pause in your phrasing. You Mm -hmm. don't have to fill every second. (laughs) Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, So this is, like, a a good way to talk to God, but also problematic, and you don't need to say his name every two seconds. Yeah. Another interesting way that i heard people praying personally i mostly heard this from females is they would refer to daddy god i heard a couple guys do it too oh no oh no it was i mean again okay personal preference nothing wrong with if people have that connection or feel like they have that relationship with god as like their father because that's what they say Mm -hmm. some people took it to to a more like i I don't know, maybe I want to say it more juvenile outlook on it to where like, sure, the child, that's my daddy. Nothing wrong with that. 
personal preference for me who had daddy issues came from broken dad household disgusting to me mm. it made me want I threw open my mouth a little bit every time I heard it because it was like that's disgusting I can't think about that that way if I hear adults praying to daddy god now I get a little worried that maybe they don't understand that daddy is now a slang term right that's the other problem I had with that it just makes me cringe a little bit anytime I hear someone praying to daddy god as an adult yeah do you have any memories or thoughts on Christianese phrases some that we've discussed maybe some else that you heard that were used to dismiss problems that you had as a kid or used in a way that was maybe not intended to be negative but affected you in a negative way? Yeah. Uh, for me personally, I remember there being, I sense a spirit of doubt around you. Not just you're doubting something, but a spirit a of doubt. A spirit okay. of doubt. It normally came into play when someone was questioning if I was saved or not. I remember a spirit of heaviness. Spirit of heaviness. Being used to explain yeah. somebody with depression. Because Christians aren't supposed to be depressed. Yeah. They have the joy of the Lord. Okay, you want to switch gears? We're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk about some other phrasing that we had replacements for some words. <laughs> so were you allowed to swear growing up in this group? Okay. In this group, people didn't swear. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just because in general, Christians don't really swear. Mm -hmm. Per the community outlook, if somebody swears, they're kind of like, ooh. <laughs> right. <laughs> you are an outsider now. Go sit over there. There's scriptural references referring to how important the things that you say are. Mm -hmm. Christian people will hear that from the Bible and be like, okay, my words are really important. I shouldn't swear or I don't swear. Right. Or if someone else is swearing, maybe their words aren't as important to them. Yeah. And it kind of creates like a weird little, <clears throat> like you said, outsider, insider. View. Right. For sure. In my household, we had very homeschool creative terminology if we wanted to swear oh yeah can you can you tell me some of the things that you substituted in your household we weren't allowed to swear even before we started being homeschooled or okay. joined this community um sure. we weren't allowed to swear we did get to a point when we were i was in high school um where my mom decided that crap was okay oh. crap was acceptable she said don't overuse it but crap okay. is acceptable. Wow. You can use that word now. I think I was probably 16. But before that, when we weren't allowed to swear, we had to come up with alternatives because you know what? Sometimes, oh my goodness and goodness gracious just doesn't cut it. Sometimes <laughs> you need other words. Crud was one that got used a lot, which was the oh, yeah, replacement yeah, okay. for crap before mm -hmm. we could say crap. Um, snap. Rhymed yep, with crap, yep. so that got yep. used. What the heck? True. I remember hearing Couldn't that. say hell. I still don't know why. We could say hell in the Bible. We could talk about the place, but we weren't allowed to say what the hell. Shoot instead of shit. Some kids okay. were not allowed to say shoot. I will say this. Some of these words, it depended on the household, which ones yeah, were okay to say definitely. and which ones were not. Because some households didn't allow you to have something that was too close of a substitute mm -hmm. or a substitute at all yeah i remember playing with different kids from the youth group or hanging out with them not in youth group setting and mm -hmm. their language might be quote unquote stronger meaning they might say right. shoot or <laughs> crud but if they were involved in the church or they were near parents 
we just didn't substitute those words because you don't say things like that. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. We had some families, not all of them. This one was kind of on the edge of way not okay. We're allowed uh -oh. to say freaking or freaking. Oh yeah, we um, didn't say that. <laughs> yes. Or I, I remembered some other replacements for this. You could say frick, fiddlesticks. Fiddlesticks fudged. Later in life, when I was still trying not to say the word fuck, I would say fork. Cutlery. Fork was one of them. Cutlery. Let's just cut straight <laughs> to the cutlery. Fork was the one. Uh, mm -hmm. Son of a biscuit. Uh, That's mother a great of pearl. swear words. <clears throat> son of a biscuit. I know somebody that says son of a monkey. Food words were always used to replace swearing. Like you said, fudge. All the rage. Son of a biscuit, you never say any name of God or Jesus mm -hmm. in a disrespectful or surprised or whatever kind of context. What were the right. replacements we could use for those? <laughs> we had peas and rice and cheese and crackers. Ah, uh, yes. Delicious. Yes. <laughs> uh, later when we were allowed to say damn or damn it, we wouldn't say God damn it. We would say Bob damn it. Bob? <laughs> Poor we Bob. We would say Bob damn it. Bob sack it. Bob Saget. Bob Saget. <laughs> Son of a Bob Saget. <laughs> Son of a Bob Saget. Oh my God. Um, uh, holy moly. Holy cow. Those ones are all safe across the uh -huh. board for most families. What the snap depended on what the family because snap. snap was too close to crap. And so right. some families did not like that word. Um, goodness gracious. Oh my goodness. Safe mm -hmm. across the board for everyone pretty much. Um, I do remember somebody using the word or the phrase what the duck oh. instead of what the fuck. <laughs> so what the duck to you. Have mercy if anybody remembers Full House. Um, have mercy. We had a lot of bummer, dude. <laughs> or bummer. <laughs> bummer. Or, that's rough because you can't even say that sucks most of the time. That's rough. That's rough. What a bummer. We weren't even allowed to say stupid. Yeah. If you wanted to make fun of your sibling, you couldn't say that they were stupid. You have to say Idiot. like negative of something else. Like that's not smart. That's not great. That's not nice. <laughs> so my mom doesn't nece didn't necessarily enjoy us calling each other those names, but they got said because you know what? Sometimes there's not a replacement for that. I remember Cameron and I used to call each other butt munch. <laughs> Which wow. came from our public school days. Butt Munch was very popular. Poo Poo Head. Because mom oh. wasn't just going to outright call my brother a shithead. So Poo Poo Head there was the go. replacement for that. Yep. Uh, Nincompoop. We did have that one after a while. Getting a little biblical because you have to have a biblical background on this story to understand oh, yeah, this definitely. one. So it's like <laughs> top tier literacy <laughs> right over most people's head. You could call somebody a Nimrod. <laughs> Excellent. Why? What it the heck is fabulous. that? That just sounds like someone's name in the Bible. It is somebody's name in the Bible, and he was not a very bright man. Didn't he die for being stupid? He died from being stubborn and stupid, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> stubborn and stupid. So you call somebody a Nimrod when they're being dumb or stubborn yep. or ornery or just not listening in general. We use Nimrod, I remember, in place of moron before we Ooh. were allowed to use moron more often. Do you remember anything being censored in your home because there was swearing in it again mom was pretty good at explaining like either this is make-believe or you know these words aren't okay to say we knew what the expectation was pretty much at that point did we use them when she was gone yes oh. yes just because 
we were also older at that point. So she's like, you're going to hear him. You've heard the worst of them just growing up in general. So that wasn't a serious big deal. I do remember getting to a point in high school, though, where if I was reading a book that had a bad word because I thought wow. if I read it or said it or thought it in my head, I was going to blast Struck it with down. lightning or something, <laughs> I would cross it out with oh black gosh. pen. Wow. Okay. For homeschool curriculums, if we ever had to read something that had swearing in it, somebody would cover it up. I remember getting a lot of books from other homeschool families that were already like pre-covered up or whatever. And I'm like, I know what the word is. <laughs> I remember a lot of movies that we would watch as a kid. If there was swearing in it, depending on who was watching the kids, either we would just be told this movie has swearing in it. Don't listen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or it would be Go play outside. We're going to watch this movie. <laughs> For a while, it was the only movies that mom wouldn't allow us to watch, which was fine because it wasn't a lot unless they were yeah. older movies before the ratings got changed, mm -hmm. um, was we weren't allowed to watch movies with the word fuck in it. That's it. Which left a lot of movies open still, unless yeah. it was rated R at that point. But if you went to some older movies, the ratings hadn't changed. So you could still drop a fuck bomb, a PG-13 movie. But I mean, as for Christians, that's something that's a really big deal is, is interacting mm -hmm. with swearing. How do you interact yeah. with people now in regards to swearing? What happens if you're having a conversation with someone and they swear? I, I am that person. I am the person that <laughs> oh, you should. <laughs> I just let it loose. I am the one you should worry about. It's not as bad as it used to be, but for sure. I'm the one that's going to use those beautiful, colorful words to help make my point better. Because sometimes, frick doesn't cut it. I need a fuck in there somewhere. <laughs> H-E double hockey sticks? Nope. You need to say, hell, I'm that person. So when I'm interacting with other people who are swearing, not a big deal. Okay. You know, teach okay. their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you respond to it? Okay. I personally do not swear. I just... I just don't. <laughs> it's just, mm -hmm. It doesn't happen. <laughs> I am friends with many people that do swear. Myself included. When other people are swearing and I'm speaking to them, as long as they're not swearing at me, I don't care. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that's my yeah. only concern. The only time where it does ever bother me is when somebody is using God's name in a disrespectful or careless way. Because I think it was so ingrained in us as kids, like this is the mm -hmm. most important thing. God is really important. You use his name respectfully. And so mm -hmm. if I'm talking to somebody and they're saying God's name in a careless or disrespectful way, I probably wouldn't say anything to them because I'm just going to let you live your life. <laughs> but that's the only time where I start to feel slightly awkward. Because otherwise, no, people swear all the time. I should yeah. not be requiring everyone else in my life to be the same standard. Mm -hmm. Hot take, maybe. Here's kind of the way I always looked at myself and swearing and the group that I came from, I guess. In terms of when you're talking to people outside of the church who maybe aren't Christians, maybe are baby Christians, maybe who have been through a lot more life experience than you because you grew up in the church and really haven't seen a lot of stuff. People on the outside looking in or talking to somebody from the church maybe don't always want to talk to the goody-goody Christian who doesn't swear and doesn't drink and doesn't do all of these things. Sometimes that's not who they're going to relate to either. The biker down the street 
maybe doesn't want to talk to Cynthia, who lives at mom and dad's house and has never had a beer. They want somebody who's a little bit more real and relatable because that looks a little bit too pedestally to them, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I guess that's maybe why I never had a big problem with swearing. No, that totally makes sense. I'm very much of a feel it out person. So if they're going to be one of those people that's going to be like, I can't believe you would do that. I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to trim it down to the bare minimum, but I might say a word every once in a Uh while just to get my point across or if I'm heated or whatever. Other people, it doesn't fucking matter. I just jump straight in and this is who I am. Take it or leave it. I don't care. Yeah, I have I have levels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. The levels. (laughs) Okay. any final thoughts? Be yourself. Always. It's like a motivational cat poster (laughs) it's one of those be yourself unless you can be a mermaid then be a mermaid kind of thing definitely you know for sure this is like a spelling bee let me give you can i have that in a (laughs) sentence